Hi, this is Dr. Shanitra Cuthbertson, and this is the Amaze One Podcast. This podcast aims to strengthen your faith and edify your soul. Walk with us as we walk with the one on the Amaze Road. Enjoy this week's message. This morning we are um, still in our series on the secrets of discipleship, and as God gives it to me each week, I'm going to release a, a secret of discipleship. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we've discussed that in Matthew 28, Jesus told them to go out into the world and to make disciples. And therefore, there is a call that we not just say we saved, that we not just confess that we are converted. We, we say that we are disciples. And that's what Jesus is coming back for. But the truth of the matter is there's nothing easy about being a disciple at all. And Jesus has laid out some things in his word that I'm calling secrets. And they're just things that help us stay the course. And so the first week we talked about I am over me as the base of everything. And the next week we talked about growth. We talked about how sometimes, you know, we're we're yearning to see fruit, but we're trying to skip over growth. Something got to grow before you see the fruit. And that's a secret to discipleship is to understand the process of growth. This week's secret, however, is joy. That's why the light's yellow. It's joy. And I want to take some time to discuss why joy is a secret of discipleship, why joy is necessary to sustain this walk with Christ in this earth why it's necessary to complete the purposes of God on your life. So this week's secret is joy. We can go to John 15, 11. Now, last time we jumped in and we were talking about the grapes and the vine, and that was also in chapter 15, but lo- a little lower than that, Jesus is still talking to them. And he said, these things have I spoken to you. He's kind of summing up this part of the conversation, and he's saying, this is why I said it to you. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying. This is what I mean. This is what I want, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus, he just, I mean, he just said a lot right there. He said, I'm telling you all this stuff about the grape and the vine and the growth and love one another as I have loved you. And I'm telling you all this stuff because I want my joy, my joy to remain in you. What that means is if something can be challenged as to whether it will remain or not, that means there must be some counter forces that would um, disrupt its sustainability. Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying, I want my joy to stay in you. And not only do I want my joy to stay in you, I want your joy to be full. This is a secret of discipleship. Joy is a secret, and it is something that we have to hold on to. There was a T-shirt that I saw online, and and, um, if I could have overnighted it, I would, because it would have preached a sermon all by itself. And the T-shirt said, it said, happiness is a mood. Joy is a fruit. Happiness is usually what you call joy. When you say, oh, I'm joyful, 
you're really saying, I'm glad. You're saying, I feel happy as a mood. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He said, so my joy can remain. He's not saying, so you can be in a happy mood all the time. Because the truth of the matter is, as disciples, we find many times where we are not in the highest of places. He said, you will have tribulation. The Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows. What does that mean? He felt the things that he was dealing with and they impacted him so much so they would make him sorrowful. But that did not change the fact that he had joy. So he's telling them, my joy has to stay in you and it needs to be full. And I was just like, all right, Lord, Holy Spirit, let's do it then. So we start to run through the scriptures. I'm giving y'all my inside track of how we work together. Go to Galatians 5.22. Get a little backdrop. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And there are a few more, but I just want to focus on that. He said the fruit of the Spirit. So joy, this joy Jesus is talking about, is not you being in a happy mood. There are so many Christians. There are some that are legitimately dealing with depression. And then there are some that are confused because they thought that if I gave my life to Jesus, that everything was supposed to be all right. And what they mean by that is I thought everything was going to feel all right all the time. So I'm confused as to when I was in the world and I could do what I wanted to do and I had ways of finding joy. So I thought I had ways of finding gladness. And I would go to those ways that I found my gladness, whatever it was, and it would fulfill me for a second, it would gratify, not satisfy, because I got to keep going back to it. It would gratify for a second. And now that I'm in Jesus and this stuff has been taken away from me through his process of sanctification, I'm with him, but I'm trying to figure out why I got these sad moods. I must not be joyful. It's not what joy is. It's a fruit. And if it's a fruit, it's got to be grown. And if it's got to be grown, it's got to be grown into a place of maturity. So I tried to seek to understand about this fruit called joy because it is a secret to maintaining ourselves or the Holy, allowing the Holy Spirit to maintain us in this walk. So then I went to visit David in Psalms 51. You can go to Psalms 51. And after David, if y'all know the story, after David messed up with Bathsheba, he took another man's wife and had that man killed. And it was not this illustrious affair as some people has pre- have preached. Um, David was wrong. David was um, abusing his power when he called for Bathsheba. When they say the king wants you, you don't really have a choice in the matter without consequence. When they say the king wants you to come, you got to go. And David abused his power and tried to cover it up with lies and schemes and end up being a murderer and adulterer. And, and, and he, he did a lot of things that were in error. But when David got to a place of repentance... When David got to a place after Nathan talked to him and he realized how wrong he was, David began to pray. And that's where you get Psalms 51 from. And I'm not doing the whole thing, just verses 12 and 13. And this is what David said to God. And you got to put this in the context of growing the fruit of joy. Because the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. He messed up greatly. 
but his desire and heart toward God was one that has not been kind of rivaled, which is why they refer to Jesus as the son of David. Why you call Jerusalem the city of David. Why his name is all over the place, because this man loved God. He messed up big, but he loved God. This is what he prayed to his Lord. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He said, God, give me back the thing that resided in me that made me push forward in you. Give me back the thing that was in me that made me, me, me follow. It made me energized. It, it reminded me of who you are. Give me back, restore the joy of, my, of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then he goes on to say, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Now, David said a lot of stuff that seemingly, you know, well before the New Testament. What do you think teaching transgressors his ways is? What do you think being converted to you is? David talking about a form of discipleship right here. But he said, before I can do any of that, God, in my current state, you got to restore to me the joy because I lost something, and it was key to me doing what you want me to do. That's why it's a secret to discipleship. David says, give me back my joy. And if you go to Psalms 126, some people think that this was written by Ezra. And you know, Ezra helped rebuild everything, and you read the book of Nehemiah to find out more about that. This is what, what he said. Y'all have read this. It said, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So you're putting this thing together. You say, okay, joy is a fruit. Joy is connected with salvation. Jesus said, my joy needs to remain full. And those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Okay, one more. Psalms 30 and 5. Y'all have heard these scriptures before. You heard, probably heard people preaching them. They probably was yelling when they was preaching because it's good. They said, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Man, like, okay, God, this is really some mathematics here, some puzzle pieces. Y'all working with me. Okay. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. There is a relationship between suffering and joy. So it is a complete lie to think that suffering is the absence of joy. Because many times suffering is what reveals joy. So as I put this together... I started to, to, to pray and think, and I was like, it's a secret of discipleship. It's how we push forward. It's obviously something that's needed when we sow in in tears. It's something that's needed when we weeping through the night. It's something that's needed when, when life has gotten us off course or when we've gotten ourselves off course. So what is a secret, God? You can go to the secret, Sean. Here is a secret. Salvation times hope 
equals joy. Now, who that makes sense to? Y'all got that yet? I don't have to preach it. We can go home. Okay. Okay, I'll break it down. Break that down? Okay. Let's go back to, we, we don't have to go back to David, but I'm referring back to David. Before I try to talk anything about joy, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit of myself. Y'all don't know that. I know that. But it's a saying that we use in the world. People love to use it. They say, this joy I have, the world didn't give it, so the world can't. Oh, we love that. And when do we use that, though? It's usually when somebody's straight up getting on your nerves. Don't even worry about that. This joy I have, the the world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away. We usually saying in my urban southern vernacular, when we say that, we usually mean like, you ain't phasing me. I ain't even dealing with you right now. That ain't what this is. Truly, this joy that you should have, the world cannot take it away. But it ain't got nothing to do with somebody getting on your nerves. Starting with salvation. David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. What is salvation? Jesus has come and Jesus has already paid a price for you. And because of that, you can receive salvation by the grace of God. And there's nothing that can change that. So when you say, I have been redeemed. And there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. That is a baseline that you should be working off of as a disciple. There is nothing in this world can throw me that will change the fact that I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. There is nothing that this world can do to me that will reverse the fact that his blood spilled and covered my sin. So do and say what you want. Salvation is done. So then you have to multiply that by hope. Because because my salvation is done. I can hope even in now, even in time, not just hope that I'm going to heaven. I can hope that all things are going to work together for the good of those who love God. So when I put the baseline of what Jesus has done for me and multiply that by the hope that is in me, all of a sudden now I have joy. And it's not based on my mood. It's based on what Jesus did and the hope that I have in him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope matters. And when I pair my hope and multiply it by the fact that Jesus has already done a work for me, there is a joy, there is something that's sitting on the inside of me that brings me delight. Not delight in myself and not delight in my circumstances. It brings me delight in God. Today we sung, you deserve it. This is why you deserve it, because I can sit in all kind of circumstances and still find delight in who you are. It is to delight in God's grace. So y'all know I had to go back to the Greek and the Hebrew and all that stuff. I'm a a, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to (laughs) try. Give me a little encouragement. Do you know how to delight in God's grace? Do you know that no matter what circumstance you're sitting in, that grace is all around you? David said something like, grace and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you know that that is with you? Do you know, do you know, do you know how to delight in his grace? We want to be made happy, and that's why people get caught off course. Because we like, don't get me wrong, God will give you happiness. We sang happy, that's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. (laughs) But joy is better. 
You can be, unfortunately, you could be at a funeral and have joy. You can be at a hospital bed and have joy. You can have a million dollars and have joy. You can have a negative .35 in your bank account and still have joy. Car, joy. No car, joy. It has nothing to do with circumstances. I will delight in the God that has saved me, and nobody and nothing can take that away. And that is a secret of discipleship. That's how people hold on. That's how you see ministers that have been in it for 40, 50 years, and they still going strong. And there's not a lot of them. The longer people in it, sometimes they end up falling off. But the ones that go strong, they understand this principle that my salvation times my hope gives me a joy that makes me delight in God, and I can take that anywhere. You can go to the one that says awareness. Here's the, the other part of the secret. But you got to be aware of God's grace. Sometimes we're too busy saying I can't win for losing. When you say I can't win for losing, that expresses what you have awareness of. What do you have ex- awareness of? What you losing or what's not going right. You need to flip that awareness. Flip that awareness and have more awareness of God's grace than your circumstances. And then you'll begin to move in joy. You can go to the Greek, Sean. Uh-oh, that's been there the whole time. Oh, no, the, um, it says, Carace's grace, that's it. These are my actual notes. I'm sharing my notes with you. So when you look up joy in the Hebrew, it ends up leading to grace. And when you look up the word that connects to it in the, in the I'm sorry, joy in the Greek, and then when you look up the word that connects to it in the Hebrew, it's just the same word in a different language. But both refer to God freely extending himself, his favor, his grace, reaching to people because he is disposed to be near them. You can stay right there for a second. Don't none of that matter. If you read it and understand it, God bless you. I'm going to explain it to you. It says that both of these words, from the Greek and the Hebrew, they talk about how God freely extends himself. And he's reaching to people, who at people, to you, because he is disposed to bless or be near them. And I was like, God, that's good. He is disposed. He is disposed to bless or be near them. You can go to the definition of disposed because it was so good I had to go look it up. And the Oxford Dictionary says disposed simply means he is inclined to or willing to bless and be near us. Another synonym for that would be he is biased. He is biased to be near us. It is to have a specified attitude towards something or someone. What am I saying in this? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are disposed to be near you. That's so good. I don't know. I need to choose another word. The God of your salvation is inclined. It almost like he cannot help himself. 
but to be near you. He cannot help himself but to bless you. He cannot help himself and he's willing. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory. So it's not so much that anybody's making it because our righteousness is filthy rags. He's willing and inclined to be near you despite you. It's not based on you. It's based on his love. That's why you delight in his grace. It says he has a specified attitude toward you. What is God's attitude toward you? It's love. He is not in agreement with our sin. Let's not get confused because we have a lot of gospels that's love, 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 and you have no accountability. Repentance is a big part of what we do. Confession is a big part of what we do. But that is because he has already loved us. He has already had an attitude that I want you to be what I made you to be, that I saw you as I want to see you. I saw you as you are, but I saw you as I want to see you, and I still see you how I want to see you. So your view of yourself is not God's view of you. He has an attitude towards you. He is disposed towards you. And I say, God, that's good. Because what if we really got in the place the way we sung today? Well, we really meant it, not just singing on Sunday. We say, God, my hallelujah belongs to you. There are so many idols trying to compete with you. There are so many worries. There are health issues. There are our family issues. God, there is so much stuff trying to compete with you. There's so much story trying to fill my mind. What if I blocked all that out and delighted in your grace? Then I would have joy. And I wouldn't make no sense to people. And this is how you really know it don't make sense. Go to Hebrew 12 and 2. This is my absolute favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Absolute favorite scripture. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It said that Jesus endured that cross for joy's sake, for the joy set before him, for the hope set before him, for the salvation he would bring that was set before him. It says, for that joy, he endured that cross. We talked about it earlier. Joy and suffering have a weird relationship. And somehow, suffering is always revealing a depth of joy that we may have known before. It is the grace of God, and it is to delight in the grace of God. You can go to the salvation times, hope. And that is a secret of discipleship. That's the secret. That is, I mean, it's so deep, it looks simple up there. But you got to have a firm grasp in your mind and your spirit of your salvation. You got to know that you know that you know that the blood redeemed you. 
You got to know that you know that that blood covered your sin. You got to know that you know that Jesus died for you. It's something about when you make it personal. You died for me. And I hope in you, Lord. And there is nothing that can take none of that away. Ever, ever, ever. No sin, no hospital bed. This is what, um, what Paul said. You can go to Philippians 4. Now, Paul, if you, if you follow Paul, Philippians was written after he was in prison. This man, we, we've discussed in Bible study all that he's went through. And Paul is sitting in prison, and he's writing a letter. And when he gets to the fourth verse of the fourth chapter, he pretty much tells them, he said, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If you go back to the Hebrew and the Greek, it shares the same root with joy. It shares that same root. So in essence, he is telling them, have joy in the Lord. Always, y'all. Now, that sounds crazy. He's writing from a prison. And he is going to be killed. But he is telling them, this is what I have to tell y'all. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, have joy always. And again, and anytime something is repeated in the Bible, it has a, a deeper emphasis. Paul is saying, no, 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 listen to me. For real, for real, for real. I'm for real, for real, for real. Have joy. He said, I say it again, have joy. Have joy in the Lord always. And he can say that from a prison, from being imprisoned, rather. He can say that after going through everything he went through, trying to start up these churches. He can say that even though the fate that is waiting for him is that he's going to be executed for this faith. Because in this instance, it's true. The world didn't give this joy to Paul, and the world can't take it away. That's our prayer this morning. That's all I wanted to share with you. You got to get a grasp of your salvation. And then you got to grasp hope. And let them too multiply into joy in you. That's how you can look at stuff with a straight face. Look at hardship and hurt and heartache. Look it straight in the eye. But God. But God. Literally, that's your joy. But God. But God. And, and here's the secret of it, because it said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He still had to endure the cross. Just He had joy, but they still had to put them nails through him. He had joy, but he still was whipped. He had joy, but he still had to die. So the pain and the sorrow are not the evidence and, 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 and the reason for no joy. On the contrary, they are the reason for joy. You can endure whatever God has said for you to endure, and you can delight in his grace as you do it. And you still can have emotions that hurt. It's complex, paradoxical. But it's the way we are till we go on to heaven. So praise God for the, and this week, that's our prayer that we delight in his grace. Let us pray. God, we love your word.
God, we love your word. God, we need help. We, we'll yell to the, to the sky that you saved us, but God, we need to know it in our hearts. We need to know it in our psyche, God. God, we need to know in our spirit what this salvation has done. And we need hope, God. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. God, we need hope. And when we put those two together, God, we get joy in you. And we want this joy. We want it to do what Jesus said it should do. He said it needs to remain and it needs to be full. That's how we move on in discipleship. That's how we go on up the mountain of this faith. This week, remind us to delight in your grace. Remind us when something looks us in the eye that is not pleasing or that is hurtful. Tap us on the shoulder, Holy Spirit. Remind us to delight in your grace. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share. We would like to take this moment to thank our mission partners for your continued support of the Emmaus Ministries. If you would like to become a partner of Emmaus Ministries, visit us at www.emmaus1.org. God bless, and we'll see you next week on the Emmaus Road.